the moment, like, none of my episodes I've recorded start like this. But then I guess... You, do you don't have I don't yourself? I, we, you don't do like a... No, I, I don't. An Emily, Emily laughing with Emily. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Get up. <laughs> I mean, like, it happens. It's just not recorded for the pod. Like, I just... I do that just should be a bonus head. episode, just for the super fans. Just Emily, Emily just having a... Com- well, I can't say having a conversation with myself because that is every podcast episode. Yeah. But having Emily not- loving herself, just <laughs> <laughs> some self love time. Just a bonus episode between seasons one and two. Here's like thirty minutes of Emily's self love yeah. and just hyping herself up. Yeah, that would be so funny, so healing. <laughs> oh yeah, alrighty. So we will get into it. Welcome to the second episode of season one for the Queer Plus podcast. Mm-hmm. Today, if you have not read the title which I hope you would have. It is all about lesbians. And I also have (laughs) a very special guest who you just heard talking with me. Her name is Greta. She is a very, very dear friend of mine. Greta, say hello. Hello. Um, (laughs) And I think it'd be good to start off by saying I use she, her pronouns, just to get into the habit of introducing our pronouns. I think that's great. Yeah, I've put it, like, in my Instagram bio, and I saw, like, the other day, see, never go on tangents when I'm on my own, <laughs> yeah. um, but minus 18 have, like, pronoun badges that they oh, really? send that, like, businesses can, like, ask for, so That's I was kind so of cool. thinking, like, do I get one of those, like, when I become a nurse? You should get one of I those. I think I need one of those. Yeah, you know, this is, like, also a tangent, but really quickly, it's trans, I think it was yesterday, was yes. Transgender Day of Remembrance. Yeah, I saw that. Well, the day before this is being recorded, so... And they're like, very topical to talk about, like, pronouns and that kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so you will got, you guys will definitely hear Greta's voice appear on the podcast in the future. Um, we love to just have discussions about a lot of things. Uh, one of those is the queer community, as we are both part of it. Um, so I think it's only fitting that I bring her on here. Uh, so to start this episode off, I'm actually just going to have... I've got a couple of questions for Greta, which I've briefed her lightly on, so she knows that this is not a surprise. Mm. So we'll just start off with a little bit of an interview with Greta, I guess, and then we'll jump into the normal deep dive and then population section of this podcast. Okay, so the first question I have for you is a pretty standard question, and that is, when did you sort of start noticing that you were interested in girls over guys? Hmm... Um, I think it's really hard because you kind of look back on these things with like retrospectively with the knowledge that you're more interested in girls. So it's hard to kind of look back and try and pinpoint like what is, what is you being queer and what is just kind of a normal everyday experience. And that's something I think lots of queer people experience. Like you don't know, you don't know what events distinguish you as a queer person and what events just kind of make you a normal person growing up. So I think... I definitely, I think it was kind of in year 10, I would have been like 15, 16, and that's when all your, like, all my female friends were becoming really interested in guys, and my only interest in guys was them as kind of objects of gossip, as like, you know, oh, my friend's interested in this guy, so it's kind of really interesting to talk about Mm. that (laughs) as gossip, because, you know, who doesn't love a bit of gossip at recess, but um, other than that, I don't think I was personally, like, a couldn't really find anything attractive in guys and then um I think 
I think there may have been one or two queer people at my old school. Emily and I went to the same high school for our last two years of high school. Mm. So this is before you kind of met me. Yeah. But, like, there are a few very, very undercover queer people who I knew kind of... Who got bullied and, you know, some of whom became quite suicidal because of that bullying. Um, and even then, so it's it, it's hard to be able to relate to them if relating them to them means that you could become a subject of bullying yourself. So that... Mm. It was really hard to become... Kind of to have clarity with your feelings then. But then I moved to my second high school, which was a much more liberal, much more... Very chill. <laughs> very chill. Like, the teachers were there to, like, literally make friends with the students. Um, it was free dress, like, which kind of opens up the doors to for more self-expression compared to a school where all guys have to wear pants and a shirt, all girls have to wear dresses. Mm. And not that, like, you can... You have to... you you have to go beyond gender norms to be queer, but it means that you don't really get to you're kind of... You're not placed in boxes as much you can't, with free dress. Yeah, and you can't... If you are you're if you have to wear a certain thing, you're not given the opportunity to even consider who you are and how mm. you're... Like, how to express your identity and what your identity even is. And so when I went to my new school, like, I started realising that I kind of didn't like... I really didn't like any of my clothes and that's when I started looking towards like honestly people like you who were like Emily had a buzz cut in year 11 <laughs> yeah. the um, day before I started a new school it was, I shaved my head like yeah. I'd been to pride with my good friend at yeah. the time we both shaved our heads yeah it was an iconic queer move and <laughs> yeah as like when you're both queer you kind of clock when people like are doing kind of stylizing themselves in ways that are not straight and I kind of look mm. towards those things like even the way you wore like you had a really like mask phase in year 11 oh like, yeah really mask phase in yeah. year 11 and I looked towards that and I was like oh that makes so much sense to me and I really click with that and also like at that time I made a best friend kind of like a toxic best friend relationship with a girl at that school and the boundaries between friendship and then kind of like intimacy intimacy and dating were a bit blurred a bit too often when that in that friendship or whatever we mm. want to call it um yeah and so that i yeah that's like kind of when i knew but it's not i think you spend a lot of time thinking like am i how queer am i like i think you kind of know when you are queer but you don't know like am i do i just like this girl or do i all like all girls or do i do I only like girls? Do I have any interest in guys? Yeah. And, like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure also on this. I'm studying gender studies at uni right now, so it's, like, <laughs> something I'm thinking about a lot. But there's kind of um, in the – in the th- I think it's, like, a third-wave movement or somewhere along the way, like, queer rights coming out became, like, a really monumental process in, like, reaffirming – affirming your identity. But then now I find that, like, coming out or, like, defining – what kind of queer you are is kind of destructive because you have to really feel forced to determine like who you like and what genders you're interested in and like Mm-mm. things like that and it's so it kind of holds you back yeah a lot and um, I, like I talk about something similar like in the next ep- ep- <laughs> in the next episode which is about bisexuals and as I said in my trailer I identify as bisexual yeah and like for me 
sort of like understanding like I expand on this more I don't want to like spoil too much but like for me sort of coming to the realization like I kind of thought like oh like girls are kind of cute but then for me it was also I was like heavily watching Marvel movies and I'm like do I just think that Hayley Atwell and Scarlett Johansson are attractive because they are big famous attractive celebrities or like and because I'm like watching Marvel movies like you know every other week am I just feeling like I've got a crush on them because I'm just seeing them so often or am I actually interested in normal girls and wanting to date one yeah in in another sense like females in popular culture in media and all representations of women are often hypersexualized and they're always Mm. represented through a a gaze of desire yeah because like the male gaze has only has kind of been the entryway for females to be represented like in film and stuff that's how women got into modes of representations because they could be love interests and things like that so our lens will always be English. <laughs> directed towards seeing women as objects of di- desire as much as we want to escape from that so it's hard to determine like I remember telling the first girl I came out to like she, and I said you know like I just tried to make something I think I tried to make a really relatable comment just so it could be easy for her to digest yeah. by saying that you know I thought Ruby Rose was really hot and then she turned to me and she said, yeah, but all girls think Ruby Rose is hot. And then that really sent me on a spiral of like, oh, uh, is it normal just to be to mm. like girls? Or like, how much is normal? And so that, that was kind of unhelpful when someone turns around and says, yeah, I find some female celebrities attractive. And I think that's difficult, like in, in a comparison between guys and girls, for females like hyping each other up and telling each other that we look great and Mm. all that sort of thing is very common with female friendships Mm. so thinking that like like you know just saying something like oh like you look like freaking amazing today Mm. and making such comments is really common in female friendships whereas like if you look at males like it's very like man up there's no there's it's not like you can't be emotional and you can't express like oh like man I just I really love you like you're a great friend yeah and so there's a difference in I guess like not saying that I can relate to being like coming out as a, as a gay man but like you can kind of see that there's a difference in it's like maybe for a gay man it's a little bit easier because yeah. that like liking guys within a guy thing isn't maybe isn't, as common yeah. whereas like with girls it's like girls will be like oh like Who's just celebrity yeah. crush and they the boundary is quite distinct say, for guys, whereas yeah, for girls it's, it's very not. blurred. Yeah, and then so that was kind of me in year eleven, liking this girl who I, you know, she, this girl had like kind of come out to me, but kind of hadn't, so it was kind of confusing. And then it was also that thing of like she was a very affectionate friend with me, so it was, and she did the same thing to me as well. Not yeah. not as far, but she yeah, did a very which we later things. talked about after all, all of this yeah. happened. But like it was at the time, you kind of think, is this what female friendships are? Yeah. Is this what really close female friendships yeah. are? And I'd already had a, like a really close lifelong female best friend, and that was never what our friendship was. Like yeah. our friendship was going to art galleries and making things together. It was never um, heavy affection. Mm. Um, and dependency so that was quite confusing to kind of understand like who I was when when the boundaries between a relationship and friendship were blurred there and then um, then that the year after I think I the year I turned 18 my final year of high school um, 
we became closer friends, Emily and I. Mm. And Emily is a loud and bold <laughs> queer person. I had a photo of Halsey shirtless, like full on boobs shirtless. out as my screensaver on my yeah. phone for like a few months and literally didn't if there care. was like a queer <laughs> joke or reference to me be made, she would make it really loudly and like not care if people heard. In fact, want pe- people to hear probably. <laughs> yeah, and probably. so that was probably that was quite healthy for me to be around because Aww. in my previous friendship it was kind of a friendship of shame and hiding because of the very nature of that friendship that was not so friendship like. Um and so that was really good. And then but then I did have some experiences with a male friend we both had in that year. Um I won't mention his name but um <laughs> He, no, on a few occasions he would, like, um, he would kind of push me to come out or, like, push me to um, say certain things when I did tell him. And I think Mm. he did like me for a period. So his feelings got mixed up with trying to push me out of the closet and that was really weird. As I think as a guest, as a way for him to sort of, like, try and get over you. It's like if you are... Like, if you come out to people as gay, I know that I don't have a chance with you because then it's like, yeah. oh, you're, you really are only into yeah. girls. But, like, in hindsight, I think with that friendship, I was – I probably overstepped the boundaries because I, I just assumed – I kind of forgot that he didn't know for a period of time mm. um, about me. And so I was kind of quite relaxed with how, like, affectionate and friendly I was with him because I – I forgot, I knew myself that would never eventuate into anything, but I forgot that mm. he didn't know that himself, so I kind of yeah. feel bad about that. But then I guess the, the other thing is to sort of be like, he shouldn't have expected anything to come no. out just because you were being friendly. No, no, true. They're like weird periods where like he'd be like, oh, what if I just kiss you on the forehead right now? And we'd just be at the taps filling up our drink bottles, and I'd be like, uh, no, that's gross, don't. <laughs> and I think that's pretty normal. Like, if there hasn't been any conversation about feelings and mm. a guy just is like what if I just kiss you right now and you're busy just <laughs> filling up your drink all like that's a bit I weird. just want to hydrate man just leave me <laughs> alone, leave me alone. <laughs> um and then where was I um oh okay so <laughs> then yeah then I then it turns out that there was another guy who was into me for a brief period of time and um let him down too. Oh, so. I kind of let him down for you. He he asked me because oh, I really yeah. So I for, thought he asked he asked me and I told him. Did he ask at his party? Else? He asked me. So before we went to soccer no, one time I, before. No, no, I told him before soccer. But then he came to me and he was like, "Is she like a hundred percent gay?" And I was like, "Yes." Oh, that's so interesting. I thought I told you about that. No, I think we were both a bit inebriated at that party to really know no, what was going on. No, 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 no. This was, like... Before? This was before. This was at school. Like, we oh, were going okay, well, to I soccer t- one time. Yeah, and he, uh, he asked me during soccer. Maybe it was that very same day. It, I think it might have been the same day because oh. <laughs> you were upstairs. I think you went to the bathroom and we were like, we'll meet you downstairs. Yeah. And so... Well, I was a very competitive soccer player for our yeah. amateur team at lunchtime, so <laughs> I was very focused on that. Yeah, she's like, I... Cannot feel the they... need to urinate whilst I'm playing soccer. No. It must be 100% focused. No, and, like, also, as he asked me, I was like, the ball was coming towards me. I was like, I, I think I told him. <laughs> and I just sprinted away towards the ball because I had better things to do. Yeah. Um, And then, so he set me up um, in, resp- to rea- in response to my rejection. He set me up with a, a girl mm. who, yeah, is my current girlfriend. 
So moving on, mm-hmm. you use the label lesbian. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, like, where did you find that word? Like well, how, or like how, and where did you find this term, and sort of decide that this is what describes me? I think, as all Gen Z queers do, I find that <laughs> word found that word on Tumblr. Oh yes, in like what two thousand sixteen. I think I refound that word because that word was kind of thrown around at my Catholic primary school um, years ago as like a bit of a slur, mm-hmm. um, not a bit of a slur, as a slur, as an insult. Um, and I don't think it really, I don't know, I think I still find it hard to resonate with that word because mm. of its associations as like a really ugly word or something that only applies to two really, a, a couple to made up of two really butch women yeah which doesn't resonate with me and so I find myself leaning towards queer and gay more often because of that and then like sometimes I feel like because of this pressure there is I mean there is this whole idea of like there's like your lipstick lesbian there's your like hyper butch lesbian there's your like um femme lesbian there's even the term like gold star lesbian which is for someone who's like never slept with a guy Mm. um and I think that the lesbian community and the lesbian word is kind of um it's kind of made up with all these assumptions and pressures to be fully 100% committed to women and I like if you use that word then it takes away the option to one day wake up and feel different about yourself Okay. And then you kind of feel like you've betrayed a whole community or, like, betrayed a whole word or be- betrayed kind of a whole movement that's trying to um, give validity to queerness, you know, because so often women are told if you do like women um, that that's just a phase or it's not real. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know. I feel like – and I've spoken to other people about this, um, well, who resonate with this feeling that queer just kind of – you're able to say you're queer and you only date women or you're only interested in women. But if you're queer, then you can, there is like an opportunity to, you're kind of, kind of forgiving yourself and allowing yourself to be whoever you want, whoever you turn out to be. Yeah. Um, and it's not, and necessarily kind of acknowledging that it's not like you've changed or it's not like you were fake before or like you didn't really know yourself before when you thought you just liked women. But it's more just like, accepting that in different stages of your life um you kind of uncover different layers of yourself or you um kind of become a different person or um at one stage in your life you're really attracted to women for one reason or another and then maybe later on you're just attracted to people for their personality or like attracted to guys and girls so I don't I don't know Mm. if I don't know if lesbian is the wrong word merely because there is so much emphasis on proving that you're enough of a lesbian to call yourself a lesbian if that makes sense yeah well like I'm just I'm coming out of like this stuff that I want to say but I also don't want to spoil the next episode it's the thing of like we've had this discussion before about like bisexual yeah and by meaning too yeah and so like for me, like, there's there's sort of two things I want to say. For me, it's, like, the label of, like, bisexual has a different meaning for everyone mm. that uses the label bisexual. Yeah. And that's the way I think a lot of labels are 
for queer people. It's like mm. you can have the stock standard definition of mm. gay, lesbian, bisexual. Yeah. But for anyone you ask, they're always going to give you a different answer yeah. because it will mean a different thing for them. Yeah. And I think on your point about sort of labeling yourself and like it's just a phase, I feel like there is still a lot of like shame mm. for people who label themselves as one thing and then change. Mm, it's sort of like, well, it yeah. was just a phase. So it's sort of like yeah. you don't want to feel like you've proven someone right that yeah. it was just a phase of your yeah. life. And there's a lot of like, oh, I had a really good point. <laughs> I forgot. No, I definitely. <laughs> but it's that's like this exactly thing of like people aren't just allowed to change the label yeah. that they people feel like they can't change the label yeah. they use because everyone's just kind of kind of go like, oh well, like. Like, why'd you use that word in the yeah. first place? Or why did you call yourself yeah. this if the, it's not how you feel? And it's I kind think, of like, yeah. no, like, that was how I felt. And, and it was I legitimate. Ch- and that's that's how I felt. And that's the word that I felt resonated with me the yeah. most. And it's like, for me, I didn't say this in the next episode, but like, for me, like, at the start of like, sort of like exploring like my identity and that sort of thing, I was like, maybe like, I'm pansexual. Like, do yeah. I care? But like... I don't know, like, for me, I, I just kind of went, like, well, like, to me, the the word pansexual doesn't, like, fit. Like, to me, it's, like, I like, and I've read this on, like, some post somewhere, it's, like, yeah. I like, I, I like bisexual, yeah, I like bisexual because it's this opposite of, like, girls and boys are very different, and I like them for very different reasons, right. and them being different is why I'm attracted to each of them in yeah. different ways, and so for me, using the term bisexual is very, like, it represents how I feel towards each side. Whereas for me, pansexual gets rid of, in a way... The distinction. The distinction between men and women. Right. Whereas I find that that's kind of like what gives me attraction to each of them. Mm, That's really interesting. I, yeah, and I sometimes think maybe it's just like a bit of remaining, like internalised homophobia, but also like um, biphobia, where straight, like in the queer community, if someone goes... If someone who thought they were straight then comes out as, like, some queer label, that's really celebrated. Whereas in the queer community, if you go from, like... Queer label to queer label. If you go from, like, a a queer label where you're only attracted to the same gender to a Mm. queer label where you're attracted to multiple genders or, like, your gender and other genders, Mm. then that's kind of seen as a step back. Yeah. And that's kind of... That notion is quite biphobic I think in itself yeah and it's hard to let go of those kind of ideologies and like social like that socialization yeah where you have to be all or nothing yeah yeah I like I talk about like biphobia um in the bisexual episode and that sort of thing but it's like the interesting thing is like See, think I don't want to spoil it, but like no, I also yeah. haven't told Greta. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Go <laughs> but, ahead. Um, but it's this sort of thing. It's like there, there has to be a distinction between biphobia and homophobia, mm. and that of gay and lesbian, like, gay men and lesbian experiences from bi experiences mm. because they're both very different. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. You were raised Roman Catholic. E. You, you yeah. said you said before you went to a Catholic mm-hmm. primary school. Yeah. Your Mum or dad's family? Or both? Both families. Both families yeah. are sort of religious y. Like so religious. religious, but yeah. like I don't think either parent is terribly religious. Yeah. And you don't practice 
Like, you're not at church no, every Sunday, I that sort of thing. I invite my mum out for brunch on Easter morning instead of church, and I find <laughs> that has been a massive improvement in my life. <laughs> yeah, but did that sort of, like, having been raised in sort of a religious environment, did that impact you in any way when you were sort of coming to terms with your own sexuality? Mm, I don't think it was the religious environment, because mm. I think the religious environment that I was in was always very loving and... A really lovely place for reflection and also was, I think there was lots of family stuff going on when we did go to church and so my mum would always go and say you know just take the time to think about good things and like to take a break from home life even if you don't mm. listen and so that was never really negative yeah what did what did annoy me was kind of I think there's a there's there's definitely like a period kind of 2005 to 2010 where all kids at, well that was when I was at primary school where all kids are using words like gay or like any kind of queer word as a slur as a negative slur um as an idea that you're not a proper man or not a proper woman Mm. or um and so those words were thrown around a lot by mostly like 10 year old boys and that's what was kind of really affects your vision of the world Mm. and I think what affected me most more than going to a catholic primary school was that there was no visibility for queer people because I think if you go to a, if you're in a Catholic environment, but you're equally going home and watching, you know, evening television, and there are queer people in ads, there are queer people in TV, yeah. those two worlds mesh, and it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like it's a hidden community. It doesn't mm. feel like something that needs to be hidden. It doesn't feel shameful. This is why representation is important. I feel I, and it was only when <laughs> I got on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> where representation is possible because it's yeah. it's not regulated by like cis het white men you know on mm. the top of C- TV boards yeah um that like you can see queer representation and I think that's where I found quite a few like queer YouTubers and I, and it it just kind of hit me that that's what really resonated with me yeah um and seeing their relationships and it just kind of felt like it was kind of like a discovery it's like I didn't even know that was possible it could already exist I was like oh my gosh this makes sense yeah um it was quite like an exciting discovery because it's like you you find like finding a solution to a maths problem or something yeah but I don't think I don't think the catholic church um growing up catholic really affected me I think the way catholicism was used in a marriage um plebiscite was quite hurtful Mm-hmm. Um, and quite hurtful to like queer people who I knew who still occasionally went to church or still mm-hmm. like had to go to church for their family or whose family was quite religious and knowing that their family and the people they knew at church were good people but then seeing kind of Catholic arguments distorted against them Yeah. so I think that was more hurtful than necessarily growing up in a Catholic school environment it was more the the lack of representation and 10-year-old boys being dickheads. Yeah. Usually how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see um, recently there was a Bonds ad that's been released and it literally just has, like, a gay couple. They're, yeah. like, cuddling and they're, like, kiss. And yeah. there was this massive uproar about it because everyone's like, oh, my goodness, how dare, dare. two the men children be in underwear gay. on our televisions yeah. and then kiss. Not like we don't have same sex not same sex like opposite sex couples in underwear kissing on television every other day and you know what's really interesting we always have we always always have 
barely dressed women who aren't who are very straight and who aren't trying to play queer characters yeah being intimate yeah for the male gaze but as soon as it's something that threatens masculinity this yeah. or hegemonic masculinity yeah that's something that terrifies people mm. but interestingly i love that bond's ad but the female couple that they released on was it on like the airline one or part of the bond's ad the as bond's well because there I was think. also like some airline stuff oh, like really? some airline ad which had i think there was two like it was like a two females together i don't know if they kissed or they were just like looking like a couple mm. and i think the airline pulled it from yeah. tv but then i think they eventually put it back up again oh. and we're just sort of like we're not gonna so pull this ad like this is how yeah. pe- some people maybe live. it was Qantas because i know the ceo is gay yeah but the bonds the bonds ad those are a two um a, like a female couple yeah and they like they were not kissing and they were kind of they were in a pose that could be seen as just like your average kind of two undressed women straight women yeah clothes. just in a in, in an, an underwear, in an commercial. underwear commercial and it wasn't explicitly queer because so often the problem is because of the like the way women are only ever objects of desire in forms of representation mm. if you have two women who are in like a romantic relationship being represented they're immediately going to be sexualized and yeah. they're immediately going to be even if it's not intended they're immediately going to become objects of the male gaze mm. and so it's kind of sad seeing how they couldn't even have like a proper a proper representation of a queer female couple because if they did it would just be turned into something for straight men to consume yeah yeah it was too hypersexual yeah yeah shakes fist at patriarchy i know um moving on you what was my next question oh so in the past like year and a bit you've come out to like friends and Mm -hmm. family pretty standard question Mm -hmm. as well can you tell me a little bit about how that was um oh yeah okay so i uh i think i well obviously i remember coming out to that obviously that one girl who said you know ruby rose everyone likes her and then i was like okay Greta, you're clearly just making it up which mm. all girls think when they think they're queer mm. i think many girls think so i waited a while and then i told that friend who who yes our friendship was quite a blurred one mm. um and i think that was kind of used as an opportunity me coming out to her was used as an opportunity for her to explore how she felt about girls um and then mm. i eventually came out to you um as we were talking about billy eilish who at the time had just released like one like album or just a few songs and yeah it's not this like worldwide the, sensation the, like, like her ep yeah not what it's called and that was probably the easiest and best because not only were you already queer i i feel like because you're already queer you don't have to ask me all these questions and yeah. too often, and funny, especially at university, like, when I come out to someone, I become, like, this kind of tool for someone to learn about what the um, what it means to be queer and what, like, trying to use me to challenge stereotypes. And it becomes quite tiresome. Like I, who, like, never get that. Like I, So, like, I'm very, like, chill. Yeah. And that, it feels like a weird way to explain how I am. But it's, like, I'll just, like, I'll make comments very casually that can have, like, queer undertones. Yeah. And so a lot of the time, so, like, for me, when I come out, it's just sort of a, like, oh, like, by the way, like, I'm bi. Like, I like girls too. And it's always, like, 
cool. Like, literally yeah. no one ever asked me any questions. Like, I don't think I've ever had anybody ask, like, yeah, anything about yeah. that. I think it's maybe maybe I present more femme, but also you did you have quite been like you've been presenting quite femme recently a lot as well. So I don't know why. And like um yeah, I I really don't know why. Like I don't make it a big thing. Like I'll be just be like, Oh, I'm going off to meet my girlfriend now if someone asks what I'm doing. Mm. Um, you know, I don't make a point of hiding it and I don't make a point of making a big thing because I'm just like too tired to make it a big thing. Yeah. Um (laughs) But then, like, you know, then sometimes, especially guys, they'll need to sit down and be like, wait, but why don't you have, like, a blue buzz cut? And, like, why did you mm-hmm. shave your legs if you're gay? Like, that doesn't make sense. Or, like, could, like just, like, genuinely confused because there yeah. is such a lack of representation that you become their, the only way they can learn about queerness. And then you, you're kind of just reduced down to this textbook. So that's really yeah. exhausting. It's like this thing of you don't look like the one representation of a queer girl that yeah. I've ever seen before. Like what? Like yeah. what? What's happening? How what's is this happening? happening? Yeah, and and then it's kind of like wait. So like, how are you sure? Or like, um, or even just kind of understanding the nuances that there is kind of a queer community and there is kind of queer culture. I feel comfortable saying there is definitely queer culture because you, as soon as you're in the presence of queer people, you can just act and make mm. jokes in a way that you can't be can't with straight people yeah you know um and then sometimes like even with people who like didn't make have a big reaction when i first told them later on they've been like oh you should come to this event because there are lots of very cis het hyper masculine guys and you'll be great for like challenge you know making them understand that like changing their idea of what queer people are like and i'm just like i i've got too much in my life to go to events where the burden and I don't of wanna, making people understand is on me. Yeah, like, I don't want to be your poster girl. Exactly. Like, I don't... I want you to take responsibility yeah. to find yeah. out about the history of oppression yeah. and discrimination yeah. that's occurred to Why my community. Why is it always on minorities to then educate the majority who've suppressed them? Yeah. And then also, like, I've had some people kind of tell me, oh, like, I don't want... Like, it's kind of uncomfortable when you use the word, like... Um, queer or Thursdays or the queer community Thursdays is like a nightclub event at this like very popular um bar in Melbourne Literally and we don't know what you're talking oh about my gosh. But okay I, oh my gosh <laughs> later yeah later I'll tell you about it um um and like they'll be like you know and they're straight and they're like it just makes me feel like I'm being excluded but the thing is like oh it's the very it's the straight it's the straight like it's the hetero head hegemony. It's the, it's it's the like majority the, of it feels like yeah, they're missing the out dominance. on something because they've had everything yeah. that they've wanted, the, and now yeah. it's the one thing it's that the they're not allowed. It's the historical suppression of the minority by the straight majority that has led to the minority having to form these communities and having to form these safe spaces, because previously, you know, queer bars were raided, people were, you know, arrested, mm. people weren't allowed to be sold alcohol if they were queer, mm. um, people were putting, you know years ago like people were put in jail and um sterilized and given Mm. hormones to change who they were so like it's and even like i was reading some stuff about the bi stuff like there would be like gay bars and that sort of thing where it's like you have to be gay Mm. like a gay man or a lesbian to enter like you can't you can't yeah be bi like you have so bi individuals had to lie yeah exactly so and like it still happens like and even i think like within the community. i imagine that biphobia stems from this fear of like what if there's a straight person 
who's faking it yeah to enter our bar and arrest us make us feel yeah. unsafe threaten us which sounds reasonable but then it puts because of the um actions of straight people mm. of the the you know straight police although you know we don't know if they're all straight but the straight acting police at the time by people were also excluded from the queer community yeah so and i guess like a a similar thing like uh both of us are like white but like i guess a similar thing would be sort of like um uh just got like really distracted (laughs) but um I guess a similar way would be sort of like white people adopting sort of like cornrows and like African styled hair it's kind of like there was so much oppression like throughout like all of slavery like against you know people of color and their hair and and we will never understand yeah and it's like African Americans were discriminated against just because of their hair. Yeah. Well, like, not just because of the hair, yeah. but, like, one form of discrimination came through their hair and it was yeah. ugly and it was this and it was that. Yeah. But now it's sort of like, oh, like, African hair is cool. or like, Af- yeah. like and now white people cool. are able to profit so, off those styles yeah. that were used as, you know, make, like, that were symbols of their culture that was so under yeah. threat. And, that's and what, there's so much yeah. about, like, different braiding styles yeah. and designs yeah. that that are significant to like different cultures and that sort of thing and like a few similarly i don't know how similar this is but kind of along the same tangent um there was like a sports girl ad which is like a clothes shop ad that was like had all these prints of different names for different type of styles like bold Mm. and beautiful and then one of them was queer queer is not a fashion style Mm. and for a, a, a a shop that is you know, for for a commercial entity to claim a word that was not only a slur, but to also claim the like the um, the dressing styles of a whole community that were used to, you know, identify different people from that community in secret and to mm-hmm. like, you know, you wear like years ago people wore certain things so you could look across the street and be like, oh, there's an ally. Yeah. You know, and for that just to be appropriated is just like. A style for straight people to wear occasionally to pride yeah. and like, to oh, buy. It's, it's twenty eighteen. Like it's yeah. cool to be gay. And like, like let's make money off. Yeah, it. and make money off a rainbow symbol instead of giving money to like youth shelters for teens and like things like that. It's it's really upsetting and frustrating. It really it means there's a whole generation of people who don't understand the the amount, um, mm. the strength and courage of like generations of queer people that mm. got us to this place that we are at now yeah. yeah part of the reason i made this podcast yeah <laughs> it's like like a, it's almost the thing of like i feel like i shouldn't have to educate you about queer history but it's also like here's a way to do it like and the thing is like for me it's also like i'm learning yeah like, like there's I so feel, much we don't know that i i feel bad for like not knowing so much of like queer history and there's so much that's happened yeah that i'm like well why don't yeah. i know this i don't like, know this because it's not today taught. what did what did so many people have to do to go yeah. through for us to be like this yeah. yeah uh so can you tell us you've been out publicly with a girl mm-hmm. and you've been affectionate in public mm-hmm. can you tell me like have you gotten any sort of like side eyes from people that's kind of like that's why are two girls holding hands like sort of disapproving in a way um, yeah occasionally like a few times i'd drop her off to like the train or the tram and i could tell there'd be like a whole row, row of people who were like at the window seats just kind of stare at us when i kissed her goodbye yeah but 
I didn't ever feel threatened because obviously like we'd then depart and like yeah um but you do feel looked at otherwise there were you know there you I am conscious when we're out I there are times where I would feel safer if I was a girl walking alone in the dark than a girl holding another girl's hand in the dark Mm. and so we do make like there are times we make a conscious decision not to hold hands if we're walking say from a bus stop or a tram stop in the dark to our homes or something like that mm. because then it's like to any possible it's like oh they're just friends they're just walking home somewhere Where they're just like, friends yeah the, like in holding hands it sort of implies yeah a relationship and i don't know why yeah i don't know why um queer women not invite invite's the wrong word but like queer women are the the victims or the yeah they they like, affront so much Violence compared. I guess what yeah. you mean with the word invite, it's almost like I don't know how to explain it, but like I understand what you're trying to say with the words. Like they, like we aren't personally inviting violence no. upon us, no. But other people but see it as us. an opportunity yeah. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get, like, I guess it comes back to sort of that hypersexualization. It's like, oh, like you know, they might just be straight and they're doing it for attention. If they're doing yeah. it for attention, then it's they want like my I, I have the right or to go kind over. Of, you link to that incel movement where it's like, oh, you know, men who like have been denied like relationships yeah. and like intimacy. I don't know. It's really weird, and I guess like it makes you even worry more for like trans women because mm. if like queer women who are not conforming to like heteronormative gender ideals. For trans women to live their like, like their gender truth and their like live happily as they are, that would place you even more under threat because you're affronting gender norms even more. Yeah. Um. Sorry. What was the question? Oh, I was just sort of saying like, have you noticed anything when you're out with other girls like, and you are affectionate in public? Oh, like, just yeah. have you noticed anything? So the the probably the most annoying or the most kind of disappointing experience was I was at a um like a club one night with um my girlfriend and she we were just dancing together like I don't we weren't being we weren't making out on the dance floor we weren't doing anything like we were we were being like any other couple there and um then two people grab us and they drag us and at this point I've had a few drinks but like I'm quite conscious and aware of what's going on but it's like a dark place it's kind of smoky you know and then when there's music thumping and you've just been dragged by someone forcefully and then kind of chucked into this ring of people I'd say they're all about 23 to 26 um and they're all just kind of like I think they wanted us to get with their guy friends or dance with us and they wouldn't really let us go and it was so confusing what was going on but it was quite clear that they had taken us from more kind of holding hands and clearly we were a couple mm. and they'd taken us and falsely put us into this circle to either entertain them or to be I don't know the like threesome dream or something it was weird mm-hmm. um and from that point on I just never really enjoyed going out as much because especially with my girlfriend because then you're just aware of um how men might see you um Mm. yeah because of the ever present male gaze (laughs) yeah and that story links to my very last question uh because of that experience 
you've written a poem. Greta yes. is like an amazing poet. I don't know if we'd say that. I I, like I say that okay. um, <laughs> as a big number one supporter of your poetry. Yeah. Um, she has written a poem about this experience, so. I'm going to get Greta to read that for us. Yeah, sure. And then if you want to maybe just talk about sort of like why you decided to sort of write it, I guess. A little bit of like an author's insight. Of course. (laughs) It's like finally we have the author to explain what they actually meant and not some random English (laughs) teacher that just... Oh, speaking of English, when we were talking about um, like women being there in like media and that sort of thing for the male gaze yeah i greta did a different english um course to me and we watched the i've literally forgotten what it's called it was by alfred hitchcock um and it was this guy i think his name was jeff i've literally forgotten everything and it's been a year Mm -hmm. but it was this guy named jeff i think and he was like watching his neighbors and his love interest was Grace Kelly and she's like beautiful I don't know if you've seen any pictures of Grace Kelly but like she was gorgeous and she had these beautiful costumes that accentuated her femininity and her figure and there was a lot of discussion like in class about how like she was there as sort of like a male gaze part and it was Mm. interesting how the main character would so like he had like this cop friend and like the cop friend was like staring at Grace Kelly in like this one scene and then she sort of disappeared into another room and Jeff just kind of like looks at this guy and he's like oh don't you have a wife meanwhile he's also out watching one of his neighbors who is like a ballet dancer and so she's prancing around in her room in like her pajamas which are like little shorts and a singlet and he is just watching her and just yeah it was a really interesting movie to watch and just to sort of discuss a lot of that like his telling off his friend for looking at a girl when he does yeah. the exact same thing for other girls. Yeah. It's very interesting. Very unusual. I exist in fantasies of the middle-aged man's mind, in bed, head between another girl's legs. Incognito, he sees me, a Pornhub category. Long nails, long hair, waxed elsewhere. Androgyny does not please him. He enters her, impregnating with chains to domesticity and leaves her without agency. But not me. He cannot penetrate my sexuality, real and valid. He can't claim this womb, my fertile ground, for his little legacy, male toxicity. And so, his search history hidden, he seeks me and our history he hid. I literally like die. Oh my God, no. Every time you do that. (laughs) No, no, no. I would do the same thing if I just read my poetry. But I said that so weirdly. (laughs) My poetry. My poetry. My poetry. Um, So you wrote that after the event at the club, which you detailed just I wrote that like six months after the event at the club. Oh, I thought it was like sooner. (laughs) No, because it always takes me quite a while to process things. Yeah. And it also takes you a while to, like, edit and re-edit Edit. It poetry. really takes me a while to accept that what I've written is probably not going to get any better. So, yeah. But I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you have in to conclusion. say. In conclusion. Well, actually, in conclusion, that is sort of the end of our little interview, interview part of this podcast. Oh, so we're going to move into right. the deep dive 
we'll still get you on here. We'll just oh, be discussing cool. things. And Yay. I can share some knowledge with you Fantastic. and ask you if you know some of the things that I'm talking about. There's Great. also probably some points of discussion Great. that we will have. So jumping right into it. Uh, first off, where does the word lesbian come from? And when was it first recorded? So the word lesbian... Can I guess? Oh, yeah, you can guess. Is it a French word? Because les and bien, <laughs> le bien. Very good. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, no, the, the good. The good. The good. No. No? Do you want a second guess? Um, I really have no other guesses beyond that, so <laughs> tell me. <laughs> okay. So the word lesbian has been said to be derived from the word lebos, which oh. is the name of a Greek island oh. in the in the northeastern Aegean. I, think I that's did how know that's that. Pronounced. I did know that. There's like tumble posts about that. That's. <laughs> I mean, I'm like not surprised you said the French thing, but I thought you would have gone the tumble I route. I know. I'm so stupid. So during the sixth sixth century BCE, so long ago. Oh my god. On the island of Lebos. There was a woman... Called Sappho. Yes. Yes. She lived there. And now if you've been around lesbian culture, if you've been on Tumblr, you've been around girls who like girls, yeah. you've probably heard this name being thrown around. Yes, definitely. And Sappho is widely popularised as a symbol for female homosexuality or lesbianism. Yes. Definitely going to have a whole episode about Sappho because so there's cool. like so much more about oh her gosh. that I can talk about than now. Yeah. And we can discuss her. I'll bring Greta back, of course. <laughs> yes. And her poetry. She did a lot of poetry. Oh did you know gosh. that? No way. Yes, Maybe yeah. that's just a queer thing, writing like angsty poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So, as I mentioned just before, she is a really well-known icon for lesbianism. However, that's not always been the case, as she was first just sort of seen as a very promiscuous and sexy heterosexual woman. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's how often straight men see lesbians. Mm. Mm. So it wasn't until the late 3rd to early 2nd century BC when a biography that was found written about her and it stated that she was accused by some (gasps) of being a regular in her ways and a woman lover oh my how dare she how (laughs) How dare dare she she be a regular in her ways ways. Uh, (laughs) horror um so this was said because a lot of people thought that her poetry wasn't able to provide a clear enough or like clear enough evidence um to determine that she had had sex with women um where was I? So interesting that having sex with women is the cornerstone of That's like what your sexuality is. <laughs> yeah, and mm. so it's like my next comment was like, you don't need to have sex. Asexual with people a woman. are literally overlooked. Me. <laughs> also, <laughs> me being bisexual, never been with a woman. You have the power I still of know. invisibility. I, <laughs> uh, the, oh, I, there's some quote the power of something yeah. unite. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, it's like you don't. She didn't, Sappho didn't need to have had sex with a woman to know that she yeah. was interested in it. It's them. so interesting how, like, straight kids in, like, the playground at, like, age 10 aren't asked to have sex with each other to prove their straightness. Exactly. But, like, as soon as you say, okay, like, oh, And you, it's, like, otherwise, like, we wouldn't know, with? like, we would all be straight. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. you, you would be clueless about your sexuality if you yeah. had to have had an experience yeah. of some sorts. It's oh just, gosh. like... Anyway, yeah. so her early translations of her poetry were sort of heterosexualized. Um, 
literally don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Sometimes I just read my notes. I'm like, I don't know what I've written. Um, so early translations of her poetry were sort of heterosexualized. Um, however, nowadays it's kind of more generally accepted that her poetry does display some homoerotic feelings. Gosh. So if we've come back to maybe she was gay, she might not have had sex Perhaps, with a woman. Yeah. But maybe she had feelings for them. Um, Like I said before, like, that's all I'm really going to say about Sappho. There's, like, too much more. Wow. I really didn't know know there was that much history. There is a lot. Um, But, yes, in the future, we're coming back. Cool. So, lesbianism has been recorded to describe an erotic relationship between women in 1870. Mm Mm-hmm. 20 years later, it was used in a medical dictionary <gasps> to describe tribidism. Do you know what that is? <laughs> what, what are you giving me that look no. for? <laughs> Should I know? Well, you, you will know. You might just not know it as this one. <laughs> uh, nowadays, it's commonly known as scissoring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, tribidism is derived from a Greek word which means a woman who practices unnatural vice with herself unnatural vice. or with another woman. It's oh. all unnatural and irregular stuff around here. Wow. <laughs> I am unnatural. I am not organic. <laughs> <laughs> you are irregular. Irregular. Um, I, I did say that was the end of the Sappho talk, but there's a little bit more I have to okay, say about continue. her. Continue. So the words Sapphist and Sapphism... This, these have been thrown around Tumblr okay. a lot. I don't um, really know them, but... I've definitely seen them. I feel like them. an uneducated queer now. Well, like, I don't even remember seeing them. I just, like, know, just, like, seeing, just, like... I'm like, oh, that's just the word that I see. Oh. And it's, like, it's what the gays use to talk about girls loving girls. Like, oh, really? when I was younger, I was like... Because, yeah, like, I'd seen things, like, described... I saw like, sapphic. That's sapphic. Yeah, sapphic. sapphic. And, like, sapphism. Sa- that, like, there was a sapphic hashtag on many, like, queer posts. But yeah, I didn't need not the other ones. So, um, so sapphist and sapphism was sort of used in the twentieth century, synonymous with lesbian, invert, and homosexual. Invert. Invert. Yeah, <laughs> you raised your eyebrows. I am so confused. This is why I like love doing this podcast because I just learned so many. It gives new you a things. background for like all the kind of unexplained homophobic assumptions about queer people these days. Yeah, because then you can look back at like medical documents and stuff and be like oh that's why people feel like this now yeah back to medical documents in a minute yeah so invert was used to describe an attraction to women and not men so just an attraction to women so like that's quite freudian like you're incorrectly formal it's it's weird it's a really weird word yeah so in 1920 25 not 27 in 1925 lesbian was again used in medical literature yeah and the word was now being recorded as the female equivalent of a sodomite. Do you know what sodomy is? Uh, yes, I do. I do. What is it? Don't put me under pressure. I oh no, you Just told say, me. No, you say you is say it, what you think of me. Sodomy is like two guys having sex. No. no. So it's. Just generally described as someone who has sex without the intent of procreation. So oh, oral sex, anal sex. That's why the and Bible sex, but, doesn't like it. Yes. Bad. Because you can only Unholy. have sex for procreation. Yes. 
Um, and also sex with non-human animals. And well, uh, oral and anal sex that. are very different to sex with non-human animals. And yeah. that, of course, is kind of just used as yeah. um, In fact, bestiality. Bestiality. That's, that's what the yeah. word is. Um, and would you be surprised that sex between two cisgendered females yes. would not amount to any procreation? Would you be surprised at that? Utterly shocked in that. So utterly shocked. shocked that that utterly, is not quite utterly, how biology works. Utterly shocked. I had no idea. Um, and would you also be shocked that uh, a lot more literature was focused on men? And Definitely. Males? Definitely. Women are always overlooked, especially queer women. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like also in like homosexuality, like homosexual mm. literature, um, yeah. there's a lot more focused on men than it was yeah. on, on women. Just like representations of queer people these days, you'll always have your Cam and Mitch, but you'll never have your two queer women. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, if you're attracted to a Horman in ye olden days, oh. you were insane. Oh yeah. <laughs> I suffer from hysteria and insanity. <laughs> yes, but thankfully Were you a witch if you were like were witches like lesbians? You know how they used I'm to not burn witches? Sure. Not in Salem they didn't, I'll tell you that. I know oh. that much. Oh. In Salem they uh they hung them over a ledge. That's much nicer. Yeah. No. And there was another <laughs> there was another one would be less painful. Do you think? When you just like go unconscious, sorry, this is like a real tangent. <laughs> yeah, like slight trigger warning. Slight but like trigger if you if you are hanged, if you are hanged properly, your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I am also a massive true crime fan. This is where I have all my knowledge from. If you are hung properly, yeah. then your neck, your neck, <laughs> your neck, <laughs> your neck should snap instantly, really? killing you. Whereas, like if you are burnt at the stake. That's painful. You are being, like, burnt. Like, you're not going to die instantly from that. Oh, God. Not to say that um, there weren't poor hangings where the neck didn't slap, because it depends on the depth of the gallows. If it's not deep enough and the rope isn't the correct length. Yeah. I I know too much about murder. Damn. But, yeah, if, like, if your neck doesn't snap instantly, then you are suffocated to death. Far out. But, yeah. And there was also another witch one was, I think this was Salem as well, um, they essentially, like, handcuffed your feet together to your wrists Far and out. they threw you in the river. And it's like, if you floated, then... You're like, a witch? You're a witch because, like, how could, like, normal people sink? But, like, they're going to die. Like, yeah. they all knew that That's such a, they were oh witches. God. And so they were they were yeah. going to... It's just a death sentence with But no there was hope. one woman that managed to get herself free and, like, swam out. She, like, undid and her And then did they kill her afterwards? I think so. Oh, God, the poor woman. Yeah. Back to lesbianism and enough yeah. talk about Sorry. me knowing too much about murder. <laughs> um, lesbianism today is no longer a medical problem, thankfully. <laughs> it has been discredited. Thank and God. You are not insane. Thank God. So now we're moving into the 50s, and in America there was a real push for lesbian rights. So the daughter, Daughters of Billitus, I think that's how it's pronounced, is recorded as the first lesbian civil and political rights organisation of the US. In the 1950s. In the 1950s. Wow. And so the Daughters of Billitus 
Uh, well, actually, I don't get to that quite yet. So it was founded in San Francisco in 1955 by Phyllis Leon. Isn't San Francisco quite like a left-wing, democratic, forward-thinking city? I think so. I think so. Isn't that like the New York of the, the East? Don't ask me about American okay. geography. I well. literally don't know where anything <laughs> is. I thought that, like... DC was like like the capital yeah. was near like California. Oh dear God! But it's on the other you side. You know, when you go to New York, you're gonna be quite close to DC. Uh, yes, I do know <laughs> that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in 1955, Phyllis Leon and Del Martin, who were in a relationship together, um, they founded Daughters of Bilitis, and yeah. they just began having these little meetings with other lesbian couples to discuss lesbian related issues. Like the oh, very first so queer straight alliance. That's but so sweet. Minus the straight. Minus the straight. <laughs> Just the, the, the queer. So this, the name of the group, Daughters of Bilitis, was named after a collection of erotic and lesbian poetry written by <laughs> a French raunchy. poet. Oh my God. Here's, oh, your, oh. here's your French. Ho, ho, ho. French poet Pierre Louis. Pierre Louis. <laughs> sure, she's better. She's better at that than me. And so there was this song that was called Songs of Bilitis. And it described Bilitis living on the island of Sa- uh, Les- Lesbos. 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 With Sappho. Sappho, oh my god. Come back to her once Iconic. again. So this was this name was chosen because it didn't scream lesbian, we're gay, girls rule. Yeah. Um it didn't scream that to the public. So yeah. they could kind of you need you know, that hide inside queer knowledge yeah. to know. And, yeah, so only knows who understood the yeah. reference to it could sort of join and, well, join knowing what it was about. Um, fun fact, prior to the 60s in America, any English translation of these French poems was considered risque enough to warrant <laughs> oh God, a go. lavishly printed special edition of the text. Uh, hang on. <laughs> risque enough so you have to have it extra special yes where is the logic in that well it's it was that risque that it's like if we're gonna do it we're gonna do it well. we're gonna be extra so about you're gonna doing have it. fancy poetry yeah Damn. i find that so funny it's <laughs> so like illogical and funny and ridiculous i love it so this group was not unique to america it did make its way all the way down to australia oh in the early 70s no way so it was created by two Melbourne sisters, Melbourne, of course, Melbourne, two Melbourne lesbians, shout out <laughs> Melbourne lesbians. Would have been unfortunate if there were two Melbourne lesbian sisters together. That would yeah. have been I don't know why I said lesbians. You know, I that. have trouble with <laughs> yeah. it. Um, so it was created by two Melbourne lesbians. Uh, they kept its American sister's name for a while. Sorry, backtrack, completely confused. <laughs> These two Melbourne lesbians sort of got in contact with the American group and right. kind of started up their own Aussie yeah. branch of it. And they kept the American name yeah. for a little while until they rejected the US group because of some radicalisation. Yeah. They renamed it to the Australian Lesbian Movement. And with this name change, the group sort of retreated from its political activity and became more of a social group right. until its downfall in 73. Aww. So... That's be- a quick downfall. Yeah. That's really so, sad. because of their lack of political action, this caused the Society Feist and Gay Liberation groups to sort of take the hit and increase their political action right. to kind of compensate for it. Right. Oh, my gosh. 
there's a lot. Yeah, there's it's, a lot. And, like, there's a lot more oh my God. that I, like, it's just so much. That's intense. Um, how you, like, how much research did it require to find all this stuff? Or was it pretty, like, available information? There's, like, a lot of it is sort of from wiki, but then, yeah. like, other places, like, I'll just kind of go through different wiki, yeah. like, links, hyperlinks to find other stuff. But, like, occasionally there are sort of, like, other so like government websites or like other really? just like government quick, websites. Oh, well, more for the statistics, but like I think there is or like um, there was another website I forgot what it was, but there are like some occasional sort of like, like gaymovementwebsite.com yeah. or something that I find some stuff on. Interesting. Um, otherwise, a lot of stuff comes up is like news articles. Yeah. Um, like old news articles from. Yeah, or time. just ones that like. It's, it's like a news article because it's like reporting on a story. It's not really sort of like giving me like history right. information. Um, but yeah, like I feel like bad that I'm just getting a lot of stuff from Wikipedia. But like that's the nature of like queer history so much. Yeah. It, of it is so yeah. undercover that you, you're limited in resources. Yeah. So we're going to jump to the 80s where there was a really big movement to reject the desexualization of lesbianism. Right. Which is very interesting. But like that's what we want today like the desexualization yeah that's but so in the 80s there was rejection oh my of gosh. this um was that because um couples in the 70s were just kind of seen as platonic kind of best friends and things like that uh well this soul movement yeah. it was so it was done by cultural feminists and something that happened from this was the feminist sex wars damn <laughs> that um sounds like an intense war and so generally, like, the phrase feminist sex wars is a reference to the debate amongst feminists that, mm. that is looking at sexual orientation yeah. and practices that can lead to domination or, like, right. liberation. Um, so in terms of, like, lesbianism and these sex wars, yeah. the matters were between two parties. Yeah. Um, they largely resolved their issues. However, there is still some debate over pornography and prostitution yeah. now more commonly referred to as sex work yeah um and some sexual practices such as bdsm yeah so the war was between two sides yeah as most wars <laughs> tend yeah. to be um so it was between the anti-pornography feminists yeah and the sex positive feminists right this is another one that like it needs its whole its like, own episode yeah that's definitely like interesting it's also like how queer queer history into like it's so related to like gender equality history and like gender relations yeah Yeah. so the anti-pornography feminists um it's really kind of in the name what they're campaigning and protesting against was sort of against the exploitation of women in pornographic contexts yeah so this campaign begun around the late 70s by Catherine mckinnon and Andrea Dworkin, I think oh that's my how gosh. I, I say think last I name. referenced McKinnon in one of my gender studies essays. Nice. This is so interesting. So these two women, McKinnon and Dworkin, both called for a civil law that would make the pornographers accountable for any harm that could be seen as as a result from the use, production, and circulation of their pornographic work. Right. So it wasn't making it illegal, but it was like putting pressure on people to make it. Res- safe yeah i think it was sort of like you know if there was bdsm in one of your pornographic films and then someone's seen that and going oh i want to try that with my partner and then that partner was hurt 
they kind of want it to be the blame the to go on the pornographic for directors for, like, for giving sort of for giving the idea, idea to the individual to do it creating a culture of yeah um and so this was due this sort of civil law that they wanted was due to their belief that this form of sexualized portrayal of women violated women's sexual rights sorry civil rights and it helped to promote sexual violence against right. women right yeah that's really interesting because it kind of takes away that idea that people have to be in control of like consent and have to mm. be in control of like um having those like really healthy conversations between a couple whereas yeah. it's just yeah so the sex positive feminists was created in the early 80s by feminists who didn't agree with the anti-pornography Fair feminists enough. That's, you know, not surprised that they were created because they didn't believe in the same thing. Um, And rather than believing that complete female liberation was... Oh, sorry. They believed that complete female liberation was with the inclusion of sexual freedom. Yeah. Um, So the two leading women for this side were Betty Dodson and Gail Rubin. Right. And these women were seeking to present that heterosexual sex was not only enjoyable for men, but also women as sort of like a mutual experience. I think that's healthy. Yeah. I think, like, it gives agency to women. It kind of enables women to have desire, which then gives more legitimacy to um, female-only couples. Because if... Mm. men are only seen as people who can desire yeah then you look at a female only couple you're like that looks incomplete because there's not a man there yeah but if if women in heterosexual couples can desire therefore you can look at an a female only couple and um have more respect for them i think yeah and i think both of the sides were obviously working to try and like you know be beneficial for yeah. women I just they just clearly had very different ideas about it and I think like there are parts of it's like you know presenting heterosexual sex as enjoyable for Mm. women is you know something that needs to happen like in the porn industry because a lot of it is focused towards the male gaze and like informs men of what's normal yeah which then leads to I guess the civil law that was wanted so it's sort of like well if it's not you know if it's um aimed towards men yeah then it's not including women but then if it's aimed towards men where you know for instance bdsm is involved and there is you know some sort of like handcuffing and tying up of a woman if someone then goes and tries that and there is harm to that woman then that's where the civil law sort of side comes into it yeah it's interesting seeing like who who has to burden the responsibilities that the person who who influenced or the person who acted upon the influence. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this episode I've showed like a lot more of my personality yeah. because I have you to bring it out. Whereas if it's just me, it's just kind of like me just being like semi-professional. Yeah. Like, having my like little Emily moments as well. Yeah. But with this, I it like feels have more, more to... natural to bring out your personality when there's yeah. someone. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird to try and bring out my personality when I'm like staring at like, a whole bunch of photos of my yeah. boyfriend on the wall and just like talking about yeah. Yeah. like like reading my notes and yeah. that sort of thing <laughs> speaking of my notes let me get to the right place so 
We've just discussed a little bit of history around lesbians, so now we're going to jump into our lesbian population section. Cool. So I had a look at the 2016 Australian Census data and right. found some interesting statistics. 2016. 2016. Okay, year before the plebiscite. Yes. Yes. Like, what are you talking about? Now I understand. Yeah. Um, Greta. Yes. How many lesbians... Do you think there are in the country lesbian couples? Do you think there are in two thousand and sixteen? Okay, I'm going to preface my guess by not everyone would feel comfortable ticking that box, mm-hmm. and also I think many people that lesbian couple would kind of may include many bi people, many pan people, mm. many people who would otherwise not identify as lesbian but find themselves in a girl girl couple, and therefore by government standards they're in a lesbian couple. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now time to guess. So I'm going to underestimate because it's like people have to reveal themselves in the census to a government that didn't actually support them at that time. Yeah. So, ooh, in, in all of Australia? Yes. What's our national population? 20 million? 22 million? I was thinking like five. No. I swear, um, there's something about the pop. Oh, maybe it's the population of Melbourne is similar to the population of Boston. I don't maybe. know. There's some. There's some weird yeah. Because when um, my dad's oh yeah uni right. mate was yeah. over because he's from Boston. We were, they were talking about I don't know if it was the population of Australia or Melbourne um compared to the population of Boston, but there was something interesting yeah. going on. Okay, there's quite a few million people. <laughs> yeah, here. there there are people. <laughs> um, okay, my guess, my guess, my guess is. 300,000 lesbian couples ticked that census box. 300,000? Yeah. Bit high? Do oh, you want a second it. guess? 200,000? 23,000. No way. Yeah. What? The that fuck? sounds like oh, nothing. Can I swear? Oh, I'm just going to have to mark this episode as explicit <laughs> I'm now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I could like... I mean, we did talk about BDSM. Yeah, but, like, that's not swearing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay. It'll just... That's fine. Um, 23,000. Male no same-sex couples were 23,700. No way. That doesn't seem like a lot at all. Okay, hang that's on. Like, Can I do the maths? Like, if there's, like... What's Australian, Australia's population? You're going to, like, spoil the next question. Oh, okay, go, go, go. Sorry. <laughs> Which was... What percentage do you think same-sex couples account for in Australia? Oh, I'm gonna given get, those numbers. I'm gonna guess one percent now. Point nine. Oh, well, so close. Basically, round up. Round a plus up. for Greta. A plus for Greta. Point nine percent in 2016. That's just not. I think okay. Also, the census. Let's think about how many like 18 year olds. There are so many people. Isn't the census sent to each household, right? Yes. So like often like there's so many four years. I want to say it's every yeah. four years. So the next one no, it's every five. Oh okay. So the next one will be in twenty twenty one. And so it kind of depends if you're like if it will go in twenty twenty one I might still be living at home and if it gets sent to my mum then my mum will ticket as like she's single, so it no, will be you get one as well. I, I get one every, as well. Everyone over the age of eighteen has really? to fill it out, yeah. I'm just so sure. And shocked. so then there'll be a thing like about living that'll say like if you are still living here it'll be like Maybe it's because, yeah. like, for people to tick that couple box, you really have to have an established relationship. And if you're just kind of dating, people yeah. are like, no. Or if, even if you're in a one-year relationship, people... I think queer people are more reluctant to be like, yes, we're a long-term couple, yeah. you know? I don't know. Maybe dating culture is different compared to straight people. Maybe. 
probably. So between the ages of 15 to 50, do you think there are more same-sex couples or more opposite-sex couples? Wait, compared to what year? Not No years. Yeah. From the ages, between the ages of 15 to 50. In 15 that age, to 50. Yep, yeah, in that age group. Yeah. Do you think there would be more same-sex or more opposite-sex couples? I'm going to say opposite-sex couples. But then why would you ask that question? Is this a trick one? <laughs> Overall, there were more same-sex couples. What? No way. Um, yeah, so the data sort of ranged. And so, like, on average, each... So the, between the ages of 15 and 50, the breakdown was, like, 15 to 25 or something. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And so within each of those sub-age groups, there yeah. was, like, slightly more same-sex couples. Oh, my gosh. Um, but then when you get to the ages of 50 to 85, there were noticeably more opposite are we surprised no no oh my god that's so interesting yeah go check out the australian bureau of statistics website there's like so much interesting data this is like kind of my favorite part of the podcast like i love looking at the word history yeah but it's also just like finding like data because especially for you know the lgbt community and that sort of thing there isn't a lot of data and, also and so, it's only like very few select. So it's like there's only yeah. really data on like gay men, lesbians, bisexuals and transgender individuals. Yeah. Like they're the only four real categories where there is data. Data. And also like so often, what was I going to say? When you're like queer, your limit, your bubble is kind of like you may have a few queer friends here and there or maybe you're lucky enough to have a whole community, but you never really get the sense of the scale of it. Yeah. And so hearing these numbers is really interesting. Mm. So across to America, the UCLA School of Law Williams Institute website mm. uh, web page was this. I used this in the first episode, and I use it in like the next two episodes as well. Yeah. Um, it's like super interesting. I suggest you go and have yeah. a look at it. So, this study was conducted in two thousand and seventeen, and roughly three hundred and forty-one adults aged between eighteen and above participated. Okay. So there's that's how many people. Yep. The amount of lesbian couples you thought were in Australia. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so That's crazy. Firstly, 58% of those, ident- uh, those surveyed yeah. identified... Sorry, let me start again. 58% of those who were surveyed mm-hmm. and were identified in the LGBT community yeah. were female. Yeah. Uh, 51%. 58. 58. And then 54% of those lesbians were in a same-sex relationship, or those who identified as lesbian were in a same-sex relationship. Oh, my gosh. I think lesbians just couple up really quickly. <laughs> like, that whole U-Haul, U-Haul – is it U-Haul in America? The, you know the U-Haul joke? No. Where it's like you meet a girl, and then the next day you're U-Hauling. It's like the – Oh, they just, like, move in together. Move in together yeah, yeah, really quickly. Yeah, yeah, Never heard U-Haul a part of that, but okay, I've always yeah. seen, like, memes where it's like – like straight people like do you want to like get coffee after like three weeks it's like do you want to like come to my house gay people after one like coffee date um so we're moving in together we've already planned the wedding (laughs) and we're adopting a dog (laughs) yeah that's what it's like so 39 percent of the queer women who participated in the study stated that they were raising children 31 39 39 why can't am i saying numbers wrong or are you hearing them wrong no i'm hearing them wrong wow that's the that's like, okay, how old, what was the, it was like from 18 and above. 18 and above. So like not all of them would be in the age bracket where they'd want to yeah. like kind of be ready for kids, but a significant number are but having like kids. But like 40, like basically 40%. Yeah. 
And between 18 and 50, if you're saying you have maybe, like, kids around, you know, From the like ages 25 of like, plus, Yeah, maybe? I think it might be a bit older if it kind of yeah. takes a bit more effort for yeah, people. Yeah, true. So, yeah. Wow, interesting. Um, looking at race and ethnicity, 58%. 58, did you yeah. hear that right? I heard that, 58. 58% were white. Yep. 20% were Latino. Yeah. And 13% black. Wow, that's so... Like, I don't... is Does that match the proportion of, like, black and Latino people in America, I wonder? Or is it... It'd be sure. interesting to see how it matches up with, like, the general population, um, the diversity of the general population. Yeah. Well, I'm going to spoil another statistic oh, okay. for next Here episode. I've already recorded it. Oh, my gosh. So it's like, I'm just spoiling everything. But um, this study found that women or I don't know if it was women or just people of color were more likely to identify as bisexual really yeah that's so is that like I think I wonder if that's a cultural thing or like just how they were raised in terms of like being able to accept themselves or yeah bigger damn <laughs> My elbow. Emily just like cracked her elbow it seriously just like popped out of its socket wow. and like it's went working back hard. in yeah but yeah I found that another spoiler for the next episode <laughs> Um, so 35% of those aged between 18 and 24 identified as in the LGBT community and only 5% of those aged 65 and older identified in the community. Yeah, well. Surreal. That's, generational I mean, thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, Greta, in America, okay, out of go. all the states, how many of them do you know? How many of them do you think you know? Out of all 51 states? 52. 52. Isn't that 52? I'm... God damn it. Uh, well, there's, like, I feel like there's some conspiracy about the number of stars on the flag. There's, like, 51 stars, but there's 52 states. I don't know. How many uh, many states are there in America? You said 52. Yes. I said 51. 51. Well, uh, like, it's actually 50. We're, we're both We're both wrong. To. Okay, yeah. so out of all of those 50 states, yeah. which one do you think has the highest percentage of females in the LGBT community? Oh, I'd say California. Isn't that just like where the gays are at? Oh, California or New York State? Back Oregon? In... No way. Was Why? Had the highest percentage of females in the LGBT no community. 6.8% of females What's identified. Whilst California yeah. had the largest number of lesbian couples. Ah. Uh, now, California, I think California reported is... to have had 47,021, which is. Crawling seventeen thousand and twenty one more. Oh my god! Than Australia in two thousand and sixteen. <gasps> no way. In one state of in California. In one state. Holy moly! Although I think California is where you go once you've got your career established. You've got like a new snazzy job upcoming. You move there with your girlfriend. You know, like once you've got money. Yeah. Once you've got a job. Once you've got like you're kind of settling down. That makes yeah. sense. I wonder what's going on in Oregon. Damn. I don't know, but there's a lot of. Queer identifying individuals over in Oregon. Six point eight percent of females in the state. I could not tell you where Oregon was. It's kind of like I feel like it's <laughs> says the girl who's in Washington DC. <laughs> no, Oregon is kind of like so. Like this is America, and yeah. this is like Florida. It's kind of like a little. It's like in like midline and kind of in the middle, oh. like above oh. Florida and like in the middle. No, you're so wrong. No, I'm not. No, because it's in between. Um. It's, is it on the other bu- side? It's <laughs> on the eastern side, oh. in between Washington State, which is different from Washington, <laughs> D.C., 
and this is wh- <laughs> so and and in between California, it's nestled between Washington oh, so State. So it's right near Cali. So it's yeah, you're, like I mean, you close you're not too far. Incident. You're not too far from Sacramento, which is the iconic city of um, Lady Bird's um, the Lady Bird <laughs> film by Greta Gerwig. I still love it. And I don't it, know how that's linked me. to anything queer, but I feel like it is. It had queer undertones. Sure. <laughs> so, final part across in the UK, the lovely, lovely, chilly UK does not have fifty states. I can tell you that could barely <laughs> fit one state in it. <laughs> so, in two thousand and seventeen, yes. the National Office Office of Statistics Sexual Orientation Report stated that roughly one percent of females identified as lesbian slash gay. One percent. One percent. Damn. In the UK. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, so lesbian slash gay, but not including bi, not including any other... Yeah, and so I think, like, what's really interesting, and it's, like, something, like, that you said before, like, you kind of prefer to use, like, queer over Mm. lesbian, is very much a thing of, it's, like, well, lesbian means I'm attracted to girls, which, yeah, yeah, like, that's what I I am. Yeah, I relate to that, yeah. But the word, I don't use that word to describe me, and, like, because gay... That might be excluding so many people who would otherwise tick that box. Because gay is, like, it's primarily used by, like, men. Yeah. But, like, there are still a lot of, like, women out there that use the term gay to describe their sexuality, because it really just kind of means same-sex attraction, homosexual attraction. It's not, like, lesbian, where it's very much feminine like yeah girl likes girl yeah. attraction yeah um hmm. but yeah that's really interesting one percent like maybe i'm just too much in my own queer bubble to realize that there are really a lot of straight people out there yeah you know yeah it's you like it's forget. so interesting reading these statistics <laughs> yeah of just like how do they find each other if it's like one in a hundred people i know and it's like this thing of like like we all just find each other yeah true it's like you start off with like a group of straight friends but then, and like, they just get rid like, of all the straight friends. Then, like, they just disappear. Okay, or, like, you don't get rid of them. In. They just kind of filter themselves out because once you, they realise that you're not going to go out <laughs> and kiss guys with them on a night out, they don't want you anymore. Yes. Not, not talking to... about anyone that we know no, in particular. No, I'm not triggered at all. Um, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so out of those, almost 5% aged between 16 to 24 identified as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. Okay. So again, I mean, if we think back to our school cohort, like how many were there in our whole like eight, you know, out like kind of the whole school of that year level combined? Well, like two hundred and fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred. I think there was a few more because of like the whole like program that we were in. Because like I don't know how many, and then there was like like the seal program. I don't. It was like two fifty three. Okay. I think there was three hundred because when we were doing formal stuff, there was like three hundred or something that we needed to. So five percent of that would be about fifteen people. That's too much maths for me. Okay, I'm going to estimate fifteen people, and I think there would have been, you know, it's a liberal school, so maybe had slightly higher average. So. Yeah, I think that's about right. It's like, I'm just trying to think. Like, I don't want to, like, name names. Like, no. I don't know who, like, would listen to this. No, but also but we shouldn't like, name names for now. But Yeah, like, and it's like, there was, like, us. There was that guy. Um, and the other guy. The, both guys, remember? The guy you were interested in and the guy who was interested in me. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? We have to pause and talk about something. We'll be back in a minute. So we're back from we're our back. discussion. We came to the conclusion Excru- that yeah. there's like there are significant there's, there's nine people that we know, including and ourselves. also you have to consider that there are so many people who 
probably got out of high school and then yeah. had, you know, had some time to self-reflect and then probably yeah. came out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, what did we say? Like, 5% would be maybe, like, 15. 15. Yeah, I could and think so that's, that was, I can see that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we weren't to the age of 24 in high no, school. No, no, no. So, no. it might be, like, a little bit less, but... Yeah, personal growth has to happen. Yeah. So, 2.1% of England identified as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. Mm-hmm. 2% of Wales. Ooh, 1. Wales. 1.9% of Scotland. Okay. And then 1.2% of Northern Ireland. Hmm. I'm not surprised. Northern Ireland isn't that, like, a more religious area. It, yeah. Maybe just an area where it's harder to kind of have that cosmopolitan life where you have queer visibility. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only thing I really know I, about Northern Ireland is there was some stuff yeah. about it, um, like in terms of Brexit. Oh, yeah. On the project a yeah. couple of weeks back, Waleed went over there and, like, interviewed some guy and, like, apparently... I think the guy had, like, owned a shop that was sort of on the the border yeah. over there and there was... There's, there's a lot of talk about everything else going on with Brexit. Yeah. But there's not a lot of talk about what's going to happen in Northern Ireland, and mm. it's really difficult over there. Yeah, actually, I think there were, I don't know if it was in the Republic of Ireland or in Northern Ireland, but there was this queer, um, this queer female like activist. Yeah. And she was shot. Uh, I can't remember if, if it was this year or a few months. Yeah. Wow. Really sad. For just being a queer activist. I don't. I can't remember enough, but yeah. I think I remember like the queer community there were like mourning. Yeah. Intensely. Yeah. Um, so that data was collected from the UK's annual population survey that collects information about self-perceived sexuality from households aged 16 and above. Do you think, in Australia, really we should cool. get on with that. We should, I think we should age have... 16 and above is really good because yeah. you don't really get a voice kind of when you're yeah. in that weird high, you know, older teenage age. Definitely. And I think just having, like, a sexual orientation report and, like, a self-perceived sexuality survey... Mm is something that, like, we should be doing a lot more mm. now so that we, like, so that we have more data about also it. Also break down those, like, more. ideas that the queer community don't really exist. It's just, like, yeah. abnormalities in the population, yeah. but it's not, it's not real. Definitely. So, like, let me just call up the Australian government yeah. real quick. <laughs> um, that's all for Great. this episode. We're just going to do our little outro. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you learned something new. And I believe Greta learned a lot of new I things. I did. So many numbers they got wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she Greta learned today that she needs to listen a I little bit better. <laughs> I can't count. It's like that meme where like, if, you, you, if you're you. gay, you can't drive. You can't, either you can't drive or you can't do maths or you can't, like, count. Or, or you can't, or can't walk the speed of Google Maps. Or something, yeah. Or you I can't, saw, like... I li- oh my god, I have this meme to show you. That's literally like like Google Maps. Someone photoshopped it. It's like public transport, like or like cycling, walking, but walking with like a rainbow flag. It's like walking normal six minutes. The rainbow flag like... three minutes. <laughs> need oh that. Gosh. Need that. Um, and thank you very much to you, Retta, for coming on no and listening to me talk a lot. As it's been a great usual. chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and thank you for taking the time to share your story and your poetry. It was very oh, much no appreciated. Um, so Queer Plus podcast episodes are released every Monday uh, for the next 13 weeks of season one. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. You can also find us on Instagram if you would like to see some cool behind-the-scenes photos. We are Q-U-E-E-R-P-L-U-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. 
Queer Plus podcast on Instagram. I can't just say Queer Plus because, like... So, like, the podcast name is, like, you've seen it, like, cute, queer, yeah. and then the plus symbol, yeah. but you can't have that in Instagram names. No. So I just, like, spell it out just oh my to gosh. make it easier. easier. But there's also a link to our Instagram in our show notes if you want to just click that and forget the whole, like, typing thing. Also in the description will be all of the links for where I got my information from if you want to go check them out. And I also urge you to do some of your own research in your own time. Yes, go out and educate yourself. <laughs> I say that to everyone and also to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me. Me making this whole podcast. Yeah. Um, and that's all for this week, so I'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>